The spirits of Drew's basement. Still scared to think about it, even now. Tired of waking up in the middle of the night, hearing things. I was scared to death. This entity that I sense is trying to hold you down. It's Sean Windsor. I feel that child energy again. I just don't want to hang here. Well, we have to find out why. It's not easy for me, but I have to tell you what I'm hearing. Oh, my God. You ask the dragon, you're trying to ride my face. It's gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now? Hey, kids. It's your old pal, ML Elric, here with you in the basement while a courtroom in Grand Rapids is full of citizens just like you who are being screened to see whether they can reach an impartial verdict in the governor i always want to say governor jennifer whitmer i don't know why i keep doing that it's basically the same gretchen whitmer kidnapped conspiracy trial which is perhaps the most high profile insurrection before the big insurrection in january 6th that's going on in america right now and as we speak jurors are being asked questions like can you be impartial and can you, what do you know about this case? And one of the things that that may surprise you is to be on a jury, you can know a lot about something. You don't have to be that guy or that gal who's been living in a cave for 40 years and just woke up and didn't hear anything about it. You can know about it. You can have an opinion. The key question is, can you put aside whatever you've heard or whatever you've believed based on what you hear in that courtroom and render an impartial verdict and this is uh this is a pretty crazy thing this case which uh you may have heard about uh, over the past couple of years because it was pretty outrageous here's some of the things that have come out since the charges were brought one of the people involved uh is a swinger uh beat his wife another guy <laughs> violated some policies by trying to make some money off of some skills he has that are related to the case another guy uh, has been accused of perjury in a separate matter. And then another guy uh, has been accused of being a double agent who was possibly helping to set this up as an entrapment case and also trying to stop a insurrection here in Michigan. And these are all guys who are on the government side. Yeah, and those are all the FBI yeah. agents. Those are the guys who at one point were considered the good guys. So if you think this case is just going to be about wearing masks and playing uh, army you may want to stick around because it's going to get really weird. Now, those FBI really agents, they're not going to be prosecution witnesses, but wouldn't the defense use them? Well, so at one point, they were. This one guy, Richard Trask, who now is yeah. a former FBI agent, he was the one at the preliminary examination, which is where enough evidence is presented for a judge to decide whether this should go to trial. He was on the witness stand forever, and he was telling some pretty crazy yarns. Well, now, after being the bell cow for the government, they're not going to call him as a witness because it turns out that he and his wife got into a dust-up after he took her to a swingers party, which she didn't really appreciate. I think uh, I think uh, Mark and Sean can appreciate that because, you know, that was oh, the reaction no, I mean, their wives you, had you, when they took them you lay to a swinger party. You're, you're, denig- you're denigrating swingers, right? I mean, that's Don't the kink thing. shame. 
No, not judging. I'm just saying some people are. No, but you more... said he's a swinger and he beat his wife. Like swingers, uh, swingers are supposed to be more free than that. How more, do you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I was going to say those those rules are set the, up ahead of time. I don't can know. I just a couple of quick housekeeping things. Sean's more of a key party. Oh, here we go. First Here's this all. dynamic content. Let's yeah, go. yeah. You know, you, you look good, Mike. The haircut is nice. It's nice to see. I, you. I, I saw you got a haircut too. A little bit of one. It was yeah. a nostril hair. I don't have much hair. But still, it had to go. <laughs> more of an ear cut. <laughs> okay. Ear haircut. Yeah. No, no. You you look good. You look settled. Uh, I like the fuzz on the back. It's it's good. It's good to be here with you boys. So I get my I get my haircut at this place in Detroit, and I think I'm the only white guy that goes there, other than maybe Bill Leitner from the Free Press, which I have found out about. It. So it's a really cool place. The only problem is, you know, the, the they don't of- use scissors. Well, there's that for sure, but the the frame of reference for most is like, okay, uh, here's a white guy getting his hair cut, and and they think vanilla ice right away. I'm like, no, no, there's there's, there's other white guys. We have other haircuts. <laughs> no. you know? it's nice. just not all the extreme, you know, fade. That's nice. Can I can can I just do a quick random, ladies and gentlemen, Sean out. Windsor is with yes, us. Please. Quick random shout out. Yes, just a props to a, a friend of the show. Well, at least he's a friend of Mike. I don't know if Mark knows him or not, but our our buddy uh, Ben Schmidt. Oh yeah, used to work at the Free Press, longtime copywriter in Pittsburgh. Was, now he's, he's in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Now he's recently promoted to deputy managing editor of the, of the paper in Pittsburgh. I just thought that was pretty cool because Mike and I both both knew Ben when he was, you know, kind of a, a sad guy out there in the streets, and uh, that's not an easy job to do. So to see him, you know, he was questioning journalism a little bit, like sure. I think a lot of us do. We've talked a lot about it on this show. So to see where he's at now, I just thought that was cool. Yeah, I we at one point were talking about, and we may still try and pull it off, having a feature uh, called True Stories, where we have people tell extraordinary things that have happened to them, and, and Ben has a couple of them. One of them involves a guy known as the Tan Pants Bandit, who would, would sort of <laughs> lurk around 36th District Court in Detroit, and I... I I'll, I'll, we'll have to have Ben on to tell the story someday. But what he would go, he would go from courtroom to courtroom and basically roll up on people and scam them. Really? And, wow. And Ben got caught in one of these little scams. I think it's something like, "Hey, I got to pay this ticket. Can I borrow, you know, five bucks?" And then yeah. you give him the five bucks, and somebody says, "You didn't give that guy five bucks, did you?" Because he goes from courtroom to court. I don't remember the details, but Ben, being Ben, got pissed, and I, I don't know whether he tracked him down, but he wrote about it, and I think the guy got busted. So, yeah, he was... Well, who would think you're being scammed there? That's a pretty ballsy place to scam people. And, and well, for five bucks? That's the point. I mean, if you, hit every, if you hit everybody who goes through district court, you're talking hundreds, if not thousands of people a day. You get five bucks from each of them, you know, that's a pretty good living. Yeah, you're a numbers guy, Mark. Yeah, but you can't do it that long. Well, at some point, you'd think the court staff would say, hey, what's this guy with the tan yeah. pants doing going into every court? At least courtroom? change your look, my man. Yeah, but I think that courthouse is so chaotic that, um, that you don't get noticed. So when I, was, when I was in the south side of Chicago, I did a story on the, uh, one of the district court, courts out there, and it was you know, it's Chicago, so they have a lot of people going through. They have a massive parking lot, almost like a stadium parking lot. And I was able to determine that the most dangerous place to park your car on the south side of Chicago was at the district court parking lot. Because half the people coming out of the district court were car thieves who might need a ride home or there were guys who didn't have any money. So they'd go in the parking lot. And if you didn't lock your car up because you're in a hurry or whatever, they'd be like, okay, I'll just steal this car. You know, of course, there's more cops there, too, because they're coming to testify. So it acts like kind of a bike rack. You know, you just borrow the bike yeah. and ride we'll across the it. city and then leave it. Yeah. It's a zip car. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. At the same time, you're thinking there's more law enforcement in this patch than anywhere else on the south side. There's also more crooks. So, it, you know, just who, who are you going to run into? In any case, that's all I have. 
So it's All good, right. to, it's good to be here. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm glad uh, that, that delayed our talk about the Ukraine. But nothing, <laughs> so nothing will de- delay our advocacy for the good people at Hall Financial who support this show and all the Red Shovel Network shows, as does our friend Luke Nowacki. And, uh, Mark, what's, what's, is, is Hall still doing uh, free appraisal? I mean, he's got all, so many great oh my God, uh, inducements yeah. that I can't even keep up. Yeah, tons of stuff. Uh, they're going to cover the cost of your appraisal, saving you up to 750 bucks right now. And believe it or not, rates are slightly down. What? Uh, yeah, isn't that surprising? From month to month, they kind of went down. So if you didn't do it, I don't know how much more of a warning you need. Um, take the next step. Chat with a five-star uh, representative from Hall Financial. Call HallFirst.com. Call HallFirst.com. They have 5,000 five-star reviews. I don't know why you'd go anywhere else. 866-CALL-HALL. They're also doing their uh, big promotion right now Uh-oh. for uh, Courtside with Cade. Cade Cunningham. So you, you can, that's not like district court with a tan pants no, band this is a fun sit next to you and say he needs $5 <laughs> for a soft pretzel. No, this is a, a much more entertaining court with okay. uh, guys that have a lot more money and don't need five bucks. Uh, one lucky winner is going to win two Piston Courtside seats at Little Caesars Arena. Meet and greet with Cade Cunningham after the game. So once again, callhallfirst.com. Slash Cade, if you want to register for that. So it's it all good. at Call Hall first. And By the you, way, Mike. If you call him, tell him ML sent you. Do you think it's fair that Mark's in a t shirt? Why? Because he's got these, uh, you know, biceps that are sculpted over here. And he's just teasing us. I don't think it's fair. You know, I can't believe you're in a sweatshirt. It's like 90 degrees down here. Sean, you came down here and you immediately started objectifying us. That's a chill. Yeah, jeez. You know, I admire your haircut. Stop talking about we how we mind. look. You're more than your haircut is what you're saying. We have I'm minds. more than my calves and biceps, too. <laughs> That's right. I got a big fat stomach and neck. I was going to say, there's a baby in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to save for your children's future and your own future, you might want to turn to our friend Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. Nice. Yeah, the market is insane. Insane all over the place. The one guy who like knows butter. who knows where it's going, or at least he's probably better than you, is Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Rational financial advice, stocks, bonds. What, where's the market going? What is oil going to do? I don't Nobody understands it. It's going to go up. Get advice. Get a strategy. Call Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Probably help if I had a pot of oil. Advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. You mentioned oil, and I, I heard something the other day on the radio that, that blew my mind that we now export oil, mm-hmm. but because of the way our refineries are set up, they are set up to process some of the heavier crude that we get from other countries. So we import a lot of oil because our refineries can turn it into what we need for gasoline easier than they can be converted into turning our domestic oil into gasoline. Oh, no one understands it. Isn't that, I mean, it's just one of those things where with oil you can't win. It's just crazy. There's so much weird information about how much we import, how much we export, who takes in what. what, And I guess Biden today is announcing no more Russian oil, which is just to them, I think, 1% of what they produce over there, so... Yeah, but the the Europeans, that's the ones who... You're right. They're going to feel the pain. But this this report also said... (laughs) Without citing any references, it typically takes uh, 
three to four weeks for the market to react, the price of oil, to, the price of gas to react to changes in the petroleum market. I'm like, Bullshit. Try three to four minutes. It Bullshit, takes three yeah. to four weeks for it to go back down. I, you know, any so. opportunity to raise the price where people won't bitch. Yeah, so I. And that's any almost any company or industry. Oh, I, it's it's insane. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember um, if they if they cited any sort of industry uh, group or something, but it, it did make me question whether oh, they were right about us processing the the heavy crude as opposed to the sweet Sean, crude I, that we produce here in America. I, of course, I, I sensed a little. So, uh, sorry, I thought you were done. Were you done? He's never done. Yeah, I, I was probably <laughs> done was thirty seconds me. before was, I stopped. That was rude but, of me. I was gonna say I sensed never some, rude. some Ukrainian fatigue coming from Sean. No, not at all. Oh, okay. No, not at all. I'm a little I just, fatigued. I just by wanted it. to acknowledge the spiffy haircut and the. Sparkling by objectify Ukrainians. And our now? friend, uh, friends promotion. That's all. And and you you can see all this for yourself if you're watching us on YouTube channel ML Elric. We encourage you to subscribe because when you do do that, you'll find out when you the show's do. going live. Which sadly is one of the greatest mysteries in life is when we're going to actually start. It's usually between noon and twelve thirty. But if you subscribe to that YouTube channel, you'll know right away. And if you miss the live broadcast, if you're listening to us in the in the audio version of the show, which we certainly appreciate. You know that you can watch the live broadcast on tape, so it's not like you watch it when it's happening or you miss it. You can you can tune in anytime along with a lot of our other shows, and that's all brought to you by the technical wizardry of Mister Joey Zuver. Hey, Sean, um, since you're into uh, the way guys are looking today, um, are you excited to I see don't these? Like where this is going? What? What do you mean? The four defendants in the Whitmer kidnapping trial. Are you always? Do you find it amazing how defendants change their look once they get into a courtroom? No, I mean that's not. Why is that surprising? Uh, I wish it's we, bullshit. It's not really how they look. I wish we had Lady Jane you sponsoring look the same us every day? because these guys could use I do. some free haircuts. You look the same every day, pretty much. So do you. you? Told me you had circles under your eyes. I do, but no, I just mean. Yeah, I, I do too because I'm you know pathetic and, and hate myself. So of course I'm in a, ho- a hoodie every day in the winter and a t-shirt every day in the summer. But I mainly. But a lot of people care, so they change their look. You know, Mike changed his look. Look at him. He looks. Uh, you know. I, I just am lazy about haircuts. Last time I got my haircut was in Costa Rica. So he didn't want to take the time. He just wants the shears. I couldn't go back. To me, it's just... Scissors are too long, right? You want the shears. <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it takes. Yeah. I just always find it funny when you have these defendants that show up in court and they're very well-groomed and dressed. It's kind of like looking at an Instagram page, which is all fake and phony anyway. It's not fake. It's like going to a Instagram, wedding and, and, and dressing to the wedding. You know, so you put on a suit or you put on a, uh, you know... Be what, what, I can't even think straight. The flowers, if you're in Hawaii or whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay, right? It's acknowledgement that you go to different parts in life and you got to look uh, a little bit different according to the occasion. Is okay. that is that that shocking? No, I just think you they try to look their best, so the jury would go. Of course oh, they yeah. do. It's like you would go. You want to look okay it's when like you go with Instagram. for a, a job interview. Okay. Well, it is funny in Fair some point. in some courts, defendants will come in in their their prison scrubs. Yeah, and, why is that? And in some courts, a judge will jail, say right? you have to come in in a suit. Uh, I think one of the, and I don't think there's a hard and fast rule, but but generally, I think if there are jurors in the room, if you come in in chains wearing, uh, you know, your uh, your jail blues, it it can help people think, oh yeah, we wouldn't put somebody in jail as he was guilty. So 
So there is some sort of protocol on when you can wear, you know, your Sunday finest. So to so to deal with preconceived our pre- preconceptions about how we should look. By the way, of course there are. No, co- yeah. right, but that's my point. So when you're it's like Russia, when they have a court uh, in Russia, there's just that cage yeah. <laughs> in the courtroom. They're still in a literal cage. It's bizarre. It's that way in England too, right? Oh, really? Sometimes They're, it's a glass. Uh, yeah, I think you where they sit up your behind. You stand in the dock in a glass box, yeah. kind of with little air holes in it or something. I've Russia seen, looks I've like the that. stereotypical bar case, right? Just right, right. That they're putting out. So, well, let me ask you this: When you're trimming your beard, as you obviously do, is mm-hmm. that is that fake? Because if you just let it go, you'd look different and it'd send a different message. No, but to I people. but but ML brought up that point. I think it's really interesting. Sometimes they wear their you know their prison duds, and other times they get to look nice and fancy. No, for sure, for sure. But you want to present a certain image, I guess, or maybe you don't want the the, the fuzz down below where you trim it. I don't know. I'm sure you have your reasons. Stop talking about my looks. You know? Feeling objectified. Well, no, but we make decisions every morning or every night whenever we go out of the house of, of just a man how we want to look. <laughs> we all do. Uh, some of us make a decision in the morning about how we want to look and then realize, oh, shit, I ever slept, so I'm just going to look like this. Okay. You know, I mean, it's... Uh, no, you're right. Sometimes it's a, it's a product of circumstance. It was really more a device to get back into the Whitmer story. Yeah, okay. But, uh, but, Rick, but I'm staring at the four pictures of the guys on my computer, and I'm like, yeah, that guy needs a beer trim. Barry Croft. Well, so... Would you like to trim it? I, no. I don't want to I don't want to take us off track again because I know some guys with long beards who are fine oh, gentlemen. Lo- no, absolutely. But, but, but the Bulldogs had a playoff game on Sunday. What about Troy. Jesus? And three of the guys on the other team, they were almost like identical twins. They looked like those those uh, uh, like Duck Dynasty dickheads. They The three guys caused trouble hey, the whole you night. Got, you know, Very bad you can't do that to your listeners. No, I don't believe me. I don't care, but I know my brother's got a really super long beard right now. That's not the thing. It's the thing is, like you were saying before, the preconceived notion in front of a jury. Well, the other thing is that's nice kind alliteration, of, by the way, Mike. What's that? Duck Dynasty, dickhead. It was in the script. Oh, okay. I wrote that down. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. But the one of the things that one of the defendants that struck me when they first came in there because when they were first in court, there was no jury, and mm-hmm. so they kind of came in in t-shirts, whatever they they wanted to wear. And one of the guys, it was just, he he had, you know, you certainly don't want to judge somebody based on their guilt or innocence based on what they look like, but his ears looked really weird. I mean, oh, I like, think he had gauges, like right? Like Dumbo. Yeah. And I thought, what's going on with that guy? I mean, it didn't, See, it there, didn't, it, it just, it was a distracting thing. It kind of, you know, made you stare at him, which must've been uncomfortable for him. And But like the beard, that's it, another thing. I have, I know people that have gauges, but they take the jury is going to your jewelry away yeah. when you go in. And so when the gauge came out and they must've been big gauges, he's left with these big yeah. drooping earlobes that make it look like his head is melting and there's no suit you can put on that takes care mm-hmm. of that. That's going to be something that if jurors kind of get hung up on that, and and you never know what a juror is going to obsess on, and um, it's it is weird. You know, there is there is some strategy to how you go into court. If you were, I would think, if you were a white cr- collar criminal accused of embezzling millions of dollars from a pension fund from the for working people, you probably would not want to go in there in an Armani suit. No. I remember a few years ago, it dawned on me. It's like, oh, it's not about the evidence in a trial. It's about how good your lawyer is in picking a jury. Is that too cynical of me? Because that really seems like no, that's no, the way I, it goes. I sat in on a I sat in on a trial where the defense did a uh, jury questionnaire, and they had the questionnaires filled out uh, longhand. 
and the defense hired a handwriting analyst. <laughs> and the handwriting analyst said, you know, keep this person, get this person off. And there was one person on the jury where, and this is what I was told. I didn't see any documentation, but this is what I was told by, by some of the folks on one of the teams. Our expert told us that this juror, because of the way their handwriting was, is either going to be the person who sets you free or who burns you down because their handwriting shows that they are bold, decisive, they want to make important things happen, and they decided to leave this person on the jury. This person ended up being the four person. And how did it go? It was a conviction. It really wow. Yeah. So I mean, this this happens. And in the Kilpatrick trial, and I think this came out at trial. Uh, the feds had a jury uh, uh, consultant, which is something typically the defense has. But we sat through, it's called voir dire, which is French for to see, to say, where you're asked a question, you have to tell, you know, what your, you know, what your biases may be. And uh, it took days to pick a jury. And I'll tell you, some of the people who got tossed from that jury, you know, were not people who had no idea about nothing. I mean, these were some very, very accomplished people. Sometimes the prosecution will take them off because they say, well, this person looks like they think they're smarter than everybody. Mm. And sometimes the defense will take somebody off because, you know, they sense something about, oh, well, you said that you, uh, you had a lien put on your property for unpaid taxes. Or no, the government might do that. They might say, oh, you're mad at the government because, you know, the IRS called you up. So we want you off of there because you may have a bias against the government. And, uh, there's a science to it. In this case, as I understand it, the judge is the one who is deciding who gets to stay on the jury. Usually the the lawyers for both sides will argue over whether somebody gets to stay. Well, that doesn't that make a lot more sense to have the judge do it? Because they're impartial. I mean, they come from an impartial spot. Well, presumably, but, you know, what ends well, every, up happening... Every human has biases, but yeah. Well, so... The way the courts, and, you know, and I'm not a lawyer here, but the, the way the courts work, if both sides agree that this is the jury they want, I think there's a lot less of a chance that they'll appeal it by saying the judge put somebody on there who we knew, you know, we never oh. wanted this person. The, the judge missed the bias. The judge made a ruling that 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 was to our disadvantage. So, um, so yeah, no, this is, this <laughs> is very complicated, show. and it really is some of these cases can be won and lost, before the game even starts. Look how much money matters to to be able to hire a lawyer who can hire jury consultants and it's I don't know. Remember the Gene Hackman movie where he played a, a jury consultant? No. It was down in New Orleans. What was that what movie? Is that Superman? Jury consultant. John Cusack was in it, maybe? Twelve Angry is that, Men. Is that the one where Cusack becomes starts investigating the case himself? Is that the ghost yeah. uh start having an Midnight affair in the Garden of Good and Evil? Belinda uh, no, who's heart like a wheel? Bonnie Bedelia or something, isn't she? Uh, Rachel Weiss is in it, I think. Oh, James Bond's wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry to stop the show, but it just it made me think of that movie. It's you know not a great movie. It's one of those nineties. Oh, thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. Was it Runaway Jury? That's it. Oh yeah, yeah, because that's when John Cusack decides that he's going to investigate. Dustin this Hoffman's in it too, yeah, and it's a fight over, uh, you know, there's this idea that you can control the juries. You're and the jury's by. out of control. Exactly. Some would say they're a runaway jury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's all the uh, it's all about <laughs> placing people that are going to be favorable. It's such a bullshit. And you wonder. I mean, it was obviously Hollywood uh, bought. How much of that goes on, Mike? You know a lot more than we do. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know about jurors uh, investigating things, but there was in the. Um, no, I mean uh, lawyers hiring consultants to go. I think it's fairly typical if you have the money. Shape the jury. Yeah, cause, well, jurors fill out a questionnaire, which kind of gives both sides a head start on who they might want to exclude, and a lot of times they'll both agree for one reason or another, and well, and and lawyers have what they call peremptory challenges, where they can just say. I want number 17 out. And you don't have to say it's because they have a bias. It's because whatever they say, uh, 17 out. And nobody can question it. They're just gone. Right. But, but you it, can run out of those. But the larger context of that, what the movie brought up was that these lawyers hire these consultants to do almost like private detective work mm-hmm. on the potential, on the folks in the pool. Yeah. I don't think there's enough time like, to do that. Do, is there, are there monies, uh, are there people that are, have the money that can do that? Does that happen at all in your, in your experience? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but there have been things where jurors have been investigated after the fact. And I think, uh, uh, Teresa Baldus, my wife works at the free press was, I think she's the one who discovered that in Bobby Ferguson's hung jury, that one of the jurors had some tangential relationship to Bobby Ferguson that should have kept her off the jury. And she was the, she was the one, she was the holdout juror that led to, uh, no verdict, and a, a hung jury, which means neither a finding of guilt or innocence, so there can be a retrial. And there was a question at one time whether the court, either the judge or whether the government, was going to try and discipline or, or prosecute this person for not being entirely candid when she was selected for the jury. So these things do come to light, and I think we're dealing with something with Ghislaine Maxwell, which has nothing yeah. to do with what's going on in Grand Rapids. I don't know how we're over here, but we're here. No. Um, where this juror has said something about, yeah, I was abused, and that should have come out during Four. the process that's going on to, right now in Grand Rapids. So we're slowly bringing it back to Christian to, Whitmer kidnapping. Yeah, we are, but just one last thought. To my, to, <laughs> sorry about that. To, <laughs> no, my, to my point and to what you just said about that, let, let, let's say uh, somebody's on trial, a DUI, and they hit somebody and killed somebody. And you, Jeez. right? I know it's, but but unfortunately, it happens. And then you hire a consultant, and they dig into the pool and find out that a potential juror had uh, lost somebody in their family fifteen years earlier, whatever, under the same circumstances. And then they don't want that juror in because they're not immediately they think, well, they're not going to have any empathy at all. That's that's what the movie dealt with. That kind of digging into but, people's backgrounds. But like ML said earlier, I'm bringing it back. Watch this, ML. But like he said earlier, it's not about what has happened in the past. It's if they can be impartial or not. Right, but some things happen in your past that everything happens in everyone's past. That's, that can that's make them hard. To, yeah, exactly, and that's the point, and that's the whole thing about right. trying here's, to. Here's the thing: is dig into is, human nature when jurors. Luke Nowacki <laughs> could never serve on a jury because he makes it all about you, sweetheart. We're gonna play that part. Okay, are no. you trying? To, are you trying to make me an edit point? No, no, no. We're good. <laughs> oh, okay. We're good. Yeah, we just took half an hour out of the show. <laughs> no, um, I find it fascinating. No, I, I, I think. It's more likely that one side or the other will find out about a juror's background after the jury is selected. Because if you've ever served or been called for jury duty, you're in this huge bullpen. There's hundreds of people. They bring, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 up to the courtroom at a time. And then they question them. And so just it's unless you had an army of private investigators, you could not have a deep dive on all of the jurors on the jury pool before they're selected. Basically, Hell, all, all you have to do now is just check out their social media. Yeah, that jury would be impaneled, which means chosen and set down to to, to start deliver, uh, uh, listening to evidence before you had a chance to go through the hundred that go up there. And, and to find out who these people are 
everybody's assigned a number. You really have to sit there during jury selection because while throughout the trial, you're juror number one, juror number two, juror number three, and you always have to sit in the same seat. During jury selection process, that's when they say, Sean Windsor, 79 years old, father of two, reporter, uh, you know, um, got beat up um, because uh, I was at a uh, at a scratch acid concert with my goth girlfriend, and some people came up to us with a no, ten no, gallon hat. No goth, no goth, no goth. But short of that, um, you'll appreciate Visigoth? this. Visigoth. What's it? Visigoth. I don't know. If you can't do that, then you do what Bobby Bacalara did, right, Mark? You sit in the courtroom and you look good only at one juror the entire time, yeah. with a stone cold killer look on your face, and intimidate the shit out of them. So, you know, Izzo's been accused of trying to influence juries. I mean, he sat in on the Mateen Cleves case up in Genesee County, and in Monroe County, one of his assistants, young guy, may have been like the video coordinator or something, killed some people in a car accident where he was texting, and he was, it was some sort of manslaughter charge, and Izzo showed up, and um, now I these things can be seen different ways from different sides of the bench, right? If you're on the defense side, here's somebody showing up to support an employee and, and, you know, being there to, to give them a little, a little um, encouragement Uh, from the prosecution side. The way they viewed that is here comes a celebrity trying to convince our jurors that our boy's okay because everybody loves Tom Izzo. And that's before he had 663 wins. And so, um, you know, people sitting in the audience can be, perceived as influencing just like um if if the trial starts let's say you had a trial uh that involved some sort of adultery and your wife doesn't show up i mean that's sort of a a a silent signal to the jury that you might not be a good guy but if your wife shows up it may also send a message that you know it was an wait why are you on trial for adultery you you're talking about a no, I'm saying divorce? like let's, let's say let's say you're having an affair and something happened to the other person like your mistress was found dead and oh, you're accused of it. Oh, I see. Okay, it. I see. You know, are you Jack the Ripper who just kills women or are you a guy who was having an affair but it was a one-off thing and there's your wife and kids in the front row so you're obviously not capable of murder. There are signals like that and I know when good, we good uh, story. Yeah. When we cover cases like uh Kilpatrick when his sentence came down there were people wondering where's where's Carlita and the kids, you know That's where's a good point. where's his mom. Sometimes people will say I don't want you there because it's going to be too difficult for you. Other times it will be, you know, you're in Texas, I'm in Detroit. They're going to set me free. I'll see you for dinner. Um, but there's a lot that goes in there, and these things are really thought about. I mean, these are not these are not uh, like oh shit, let's make sure we invite you know so and so's homeroom teacher. I mean, a lot of thought goes into these things, particularly at the levels where you have the top top attorneys. Um, That's a good reference by, about Izzo, by the way. I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting he was there to influence one side or the other, but I'm just telling you when it those things happen, yeah. the, 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 the combatants, they look at it and say, oh, shit. Would John Beeline have done that, Mark? Well, I mean, if some thugs were on trial. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we never talked that about a, that's, a, that's a good solid callback joke reference. We we never talked about Beeline losing his job for maybe saying something and Juwan Howard not losing his job for absolutely doing something. Oh, but but I want to get back to Grand Rapids at some point. But he lost his job. Why, this is cap. what we call organic. The, the players didn't like him in Cleveland. When he lost his job because he was losing. 
Yeah. You know, and they didn't and like him. Juwan Howard was winning. Yeah. So I think winning and losing, as I argued before, may be as influential as anything else on the fate uh, of a coach. A lot of, ti- a lot of times people get fired for reasons that isn't really why they got fired. Like uh, Megan yeah. Kelly from NBC. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm about to get fired from this podcast. So, oh, we love dynamic content. So since, since, yeah, since we're all over the map, does anybody know who one of my favorite Big Ten basketball teams of all time. Oh, but this is great. What a, what a, this what a is fun. This random is question, and why does this it matter? This is awesome. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah it is does awesome. anybody know? Is it, uh, what, the 2001 Spartans? No, no. While you're Wait, th- ask the question again, please. It's a dumb question. No, it's a great question. Can you guess who one of my favorite Big Ten men's basketball teams of all times is? 89 Michigan. Uh, we're going we're gonna to give you some time to think about that right after <laughs> I tell you about Christ. the Cadu Cafe. Where I'm hoping you will uh, but join me. But what a random question! It could be anything. Yeah, but now listeners want to know. Come on, Mark. Beeline. No, they don't. They don't Beeline care. came into it. They're, oh, there's a clue. Okay, anyway, so um, I'm encouraging you to join me and the mysterious Josie at the Caddy Cafe on St. Patrick's Day when we're having St. Patty at the Caddy. The party starts at 11 a.m. We'll be broadcasting live from noon to 2 p.m. Then there's Irish music all afternoon and all evening. The Irish balladeer Michael O'Brien. Odd enough Celtic music band. And at 8 p.m., the Corktown Popes take the stage. That's at the Cadu Cafe. Cadu in Detroit on the east side. Find out more at caducafe.com. I'm going to be there for the show. I'm going to be there afterwards. I'm going to be there even later than that. And I'm going to be there until they close because that is not only one of the best bars in Detroit, it's within stumbling distance of my house, which is very important on St. Patrick's Day. So please join us at the Cadu Cafe on Thursday, March 17th, a special edition of ML Solo Detroit. Um, Your question is like, um, do you know who my favorite actor is? One of my favorite actors. It's just such an open-ended opinion question. It doesn't make any sense. It's great, though. And if I may jump uh, to the uh, feedback real quickly. Okay, yes. Can I just jump to the Uh, feedback? You're going to, so go ahead. I know. Sorry. (laughs) I don't want to spoil all of it, but there's a a listener who mentioned at the end of the feedback, which we'll get to later, but that they've enjoyed the shows lately. And I would argue it's because of the shows lately have been a lot like what we just did. Your random content? Not my random content. Mike's free association, you know, happy kind of uh, interesting stuff. It's, Actually, it's, it's the banner. It's great. Well, I know. It's been the guests. but <laughs> It's very meta of you to break it down that way. No, or very it's, Facebook of it's you. Not right, the, I, let's just put this to bed. Who is your favorite team? It's not the guests. Does it's anybody Mike. want to guess? There's a clue out there now. Mike's uh, been Mike. It's John Beeline. Awesome. Michigan, I don't know what, 2013? Uh, No. Is it, is it a Michigan team? You just said Beeline? Yeah, the is. Frank the Tank Kaminsky Wisconsin cha- uh, Final Four team that lost it, though. You just said it was Michigan. You're not listening. No, I said it was a clue. I didn't say it could have been, oh. a, it could have been a knives out uh, clue. I don't know who. Put me out of my misery. The Michigan team that slid off the runway and then had to play their first round game in sure. their practice gear. Yeah. And they got that, all the way to the title game. Yeah. And that was a team that wasn't supposed to do very well. I went to the where they slid off the runway. I was sent out uh, when I was at Fox Two, and that was a. Wait, truly, you worked at Fox Two a while ago. That was truly a scary thing what those guys went through, and they regrouped. They flew out there without their gear because they couldn't take anything that was on the plane because it was a there was a crash investigation. So they had to go out there and play in their scrubs, and I think they beat Purdue or somebody in the first round or Maryland, somebody who had like a a, a much higher seated team. And that may have been a Trey Burke team. I'm not sure. Derek but Walton was Derek the Walton point was guard. it? Okay. 
and they uh, and they really, I just really admired that team. I'm a big John Beeline fan, and I really thought that team was someone you could cheer for until they played the Spartans, in which case they can eat shit, which is what we did last time. They got all the way to the title game, right, Mark? They lost to Villanova. Yeah. Yep. Why are you a big Beeline fan? I just think he, he's he's a great coach. He's the kind of coach <laughs> that most programs should look for, someone who has a track record of accomplishment everywhere he's been, who's not a big name, who's not some sort of superstar alumni, but a guy who did a lot with a little. To me, I cheer for underdogs, and the first time I heard John Beeline's name is when he was coaching that West Virginia Pittsnoggle mm-hmm. team that was going deep in the tournament. You're like, how the hell is he doing that with these guys? Okay, so speaking of underdogs, how does My that second get us favorite back to coach, Grand Rapids? Rich Rod. Oh. So I love those West Virginia coaches who come to Ann Arbor. All right, Mark. So where are we going now, Grand Rapids? I have no idea anymore. Grand Rapids? We're going to the Cadu Cafe on March 17th, <laughs> uh, and we may be back on track by then. Tie underdogs into Grand Rapids. Or are we skipping that and going to Ukraine? No, 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 no. I feel like we're in the Ukraine right now, and it's, you're, the, you're, you're, you're putting us in, uh, in a bind here trying to get back on track. I do have some questions about the Whitmer thing, though. Can I ask him? Oh, no, I see what's You're going on. You're asking the wrong oh, guy. I wanted to you. talk about that. You got to ch- you got to check with Sean. No, no, you don't have to check with me. I- Are you let me ask you seriously. Are you have do you have any interest in this trial whatsoever? I mean, not really. But go ahead. It, no, I'm I'm now no cuz I'm more fascinated about how you think. Do you have any interest in like true crime at all or trials? Uh no, Forensic Files is on uh is on the TV occasionally, but I'm not the person watching it. Because there's so much true crime. And it is kind of interesting. I like the detective work more. I I, I love detective work. People figuring out stuff and then serving justice. But in terms of the trials, once it gets to the trial, you know, I'm not as interested as the detective work that leads up to the trial. Yeah, I think that's most people are like that. Trials can get really boring. Yeah, I'm shallow that way. Like you've read, you've read. Mike's much deeper. Have you read The Michigan Murders? Do you know that book? Uh, it's a famous book about the true uh, the serial killer in Michigan, Eastern Michigan area in the late no, 60s. No, but we had Rob Walchek on to talk about exactly. his series on the anniversary. In fact, go look deep in our archives, that Rob Walchek show on the Michigan Murder. That was a great episode. Rob because had some of you. tremendous story. No, because of but, Walchek. He, he found a guy who was a key witness who I think hadn't talked or had not really. I mean, it was it was a state trooper's son or yeah. somebody who had cracked the case. I mean, it was... It's a great story, and, and it started in Berkeley, didn't it? Didn't that wasn't that guy uh, the the guy who did the killers, some sort of high school hero here in Berkeley? John Norman Collins? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I thought, know where I he's thought from. it was from somewhere around Royal Oak or Ferndale or Berkeley, and then he went to uh, Eastern Michigan. In fact, I found. Oh God, talk about free association! I think I found out <laughs> Off that the rails. That this is awesome. Somebody, <laughs> somebody I know. That's why I wanted to be. Well, while you're thinking of that, I don't think it was somebody on my campaign. Somebody I know said that they knew him. Well, while you're thinking of that, and had dated him. Yeah, they didn't. They went out to like a prom or something like that. Ladies loved that. Yeah, and when that story came out, she's like, "Oh my god, we all thought he was a hunk," and uh, and I went to a dance with him, and and I'm glad I'm alive because. Women like me, he tended to murder and ditch by the Huron River or something. If you, or, if you see him today, his Otis picture is frightening as hell. Um, he just looks like a scary guy, but I know what he did now. Um, you know who else looks scary in there? This is talking about free association. Have you seen Stephen Grant lately? Remember St- Stephen Grant, the murderer? Murder Tara Grant? No, um, Hank Winchester's yeah. pen pal. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, oh my you, God, you, he looks 
Like Follow you eat his like old movies. self. Like, huh? like some folks. I consume a lot of stuff. Think about athletes or actors or politicians. You think about. Uh, I brought up that book. Serial killers. That book the was fuck? fascinating. The first half of, Mich- of the Michigan murders is fascinating because it's all of the murder and the detective work. And then it got into the courtroom part. Oh and those God. last chapters sucked. Who wrote that book? Uh, Edward Keyes. Okay. Okay. I don't know who he is, but he, he wrote also the wrote The Star Spangled Banner. I did read one of those kind of books. Uh, Fatal, fatal, fatal vision. Joe McGinnis. <laughs> it took a while. No, I, I caught it. I just it. Joe McGinnis. I was more. Yeah, mostly, yeah. That's about the uh, like, army laughing. doctor. I was laughing at yeah, the yeah. lack of uh, response yeah. from him. Oh well, just sorry. hanging out there. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I'm just, I'm just wondering if because Mike and I battled for a while and we're all copacetic now. Uh, I'm wondering if it's not going to be you and me. Why am I fighting with you? I don't know because you don't like the improv and uh, free no, association I do. with I Mike. Do. I just, I... He does. He doesn't like you putting words in his mouth. His beautiful mouth with his full lips. Stop objectifying and, uh, me. Sorry. <laughs> full lips and pearlescent teeth. Look oh, at that. This is yeah. So you know uh, who else is hanging in the balance is the fate of four men in Grand Rapids. These guys are the four of the six Whitmer kidnapping right. plotters. Now, or, I'll admit, I have not really paid enough attention to this. And okay. was like that's 16, relative. A, a year and a half ago, it happened. That's relative. Right? My last Probably. story at the Free Press was a profile. Adam Fox, right? Adam Fox. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a really wow, good story, good but that was memory. a long, that was a good story, long time ago. And how many? So was total, my last paycheck. My main, thanks for rubbing it in. My main question is, how many kidnappers were there, and why are only four on trial? So there's four, uh, six alleged kidnappers. There's uh, only six. Well, actually, uh, no. So this is how complicated this is. So, so I'm, so I'm going to with Sean's. I, mean, uh, I remember that, that with Sean's permission. I'm going to walk through this a little bit. There were six people who were charged by the feds with okay. conspiring to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Two of them have admitted they've they've entered plea uh, agreements, so they've admitted to being part. Of, so now there are four people. On trial in federal court, but there are more people who are being charged at the state level for being involved in the conspiracy, but they're not being charged with federal kidnapping charges. They're being charged with things like, you know, uh, gun charges, and and I don't know if they're being charged with domestic terrorism, but this is a case that's going on at the federal level and the state level. There are people in Wisconsin, Delaware, who were involved. This thing sprawls all over the place. They were connected through the dark web, which is where they used to communicate. They had meetings, I think, in Dublin, Ohio, to talk about what they were going to do. Some of these plotters uh, also discussed trying to do something to the governor of, of Virginia. The the old, I think they like the new governor of Virginia, but the last governor of Virginia. And so this is a sprawling, complicated conspiracy but even if you figure out, if you have your scorecard, you know who the players are, it's even more complicated because it turns out some of the feds who are prosecuting this case, or not prosecuting, who are, are part of law enforcement that you know we would consider part of the prosecution, are in all kinds of trouble, including this FBI agent Richard Trask, yep. who was the one who did all this testifying um, early on. In July, he was arrested and accused of beating his wife after a swingers party. Then he was fired by the FBI and convicted of assault. He may be called, I would think, as the defense. There's also a couple other FBI guys. Are, are you surprised? Because there's 12 FBI informants in this in this whole case. 12 that have worked on this. Doesn't that seem like a lot? Well, so you know, I think I think we all think of informant 
like deep throat meeting in the parking garage and telling Woodward and Bernstein, you know, follow the money. I think a, well, it turns out in real embedded. life, he yeah. wasn't that as involved and that crucial in the Watergate case as, as you know, Hollywood may have you believe. Same thing with, so 12 informants. Now, am I an informant because I say, hey, my neighbor's a crazy asshole who's firing a lot of guns off and he's got a big picture of the governor on his garage. You might want to go snatch him up. You know, and do I tell you, does that make me an informant? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how these informants are being classified. You know, there is, there are certain things that if you're a confidential human source, that's an informant that's, that's on a different level. I mean, that goes through FBI's vetting process and you actually are assigned, you know, code name or number or whatever. That's different than being a guy who says, hey, these, these good old boys next door, them hating the government and blowing such and shit up. You know, I don't think that would be considered an informant. But you know, I don't know how, you know, I, I don't know that every one of these so-called informants are sitting there saying, okay, um, do we have the weapons? Here's the map. You know, I'll meet you at the boathouse. Uh, it's hard to tell. Well, I just, I think it's interesting because you hear a lot of the defense of they were being um, entrapped. I mean, you always hear that. With that I'm, does that ever work when people claim they're entrapped? Not often, but usually uh, people that claim they're entrapped are guilty in my mind because that seems like a last resort kind of thing to do. Is well, that is that a legitimate defense for these four guys that are going on trial? Uh, well, the the judge is going to have to hear some evidence before he even lets that be presented to the jury. So they're not the the defense attorney is not allowed. The defense attorneys are not allowed to include that in their opening statements. Oh so, wow! Yeah, and just. You know, this is a fine point, but people say opening arguments. No, it's opening statements yeah. where you say something and you close with arguments where you argue over only the evidence that was presented in court. So it's kind of funky. But but this is why this case is so crazy, because at one point, all the defendants, well, there's one guy who copped a plea pretty early on, but but five of the defendants were trying to build an entrapment case where they wanted to be allowed to present certain evidence and certain histories of people and they argued one guy in particular caleb franks are yeah this is entrapment i've been entrapped i never would have done this if they hadn't set me up i had no idea about this the fbi led me to this and then when the judge made some rulings that prevented the defense from bringing in some of the evidence they want he flipped almost immediately and said yeah yeah i did it i i wasn't entrapped it was my own free will i mean so oh boy so you kind of argue that until you can't now, is that guy going to be a witness for the prosecution in this case? So this is one of the crazy things about it. The, uh, you know, pregame star witnesses, these people who worked as feds, as FBI agents, or as people working with the FBI, who we expected to be the star witnesses for the prosecution, are now not going to be called by the prosecution. They'll probably be called by the defense. And two of the defendants are now shaping up to be star witnesses for the prosecution because they've reached plea deals to get a lesser sentence and less jail time by cooperating with the feds. So this is all shit that happened before today. Wow. And we have five or six weeks of testimony and evidence. And so that's why I say this case is going to be crazy even if we keep John Hack, uh, Gene Hackman and John Cusack out of it, and Joan Cusack for that matter, do you know? Do you know if these? Four, I like that. Do you know if these four guys are they? Um, do they have good attorneys? Are they court appointed attorneys? Not that they wouldn't be good necessarily, but the more you pay for an attorney, the better they usually are. 
Right. So I'm not familiar with any of their attorneys because they are in the Western District of Michigan, which basically Michigan is cut in half. Uh, where yeah. we are going basically out to Flint, Ann Arbor, what have you, that's the Eastern District. That's where the trials happen downtown in Ann Arbor and Flint. The Western District is kind of Grand Rapids. It may go up to Traverse City, too. I'm not sure. But so we don't know those attorneys as well. There was a local attorney who was handling one of the cases, but his guy cut one of the first deals. Mm. And that was interesting, too, because he had represented some some people who were charged in a similar conspiracy, the Hutari case you may have heard of, yeah. Oh, yeah. where the judge halfway through the case said, this is bullshit, I'm throwing it out of my courtroom. So this is a guy who's had some success defending somebody who's been accused of being in an anti-government conspiracy, who was the first guy to fold up his tent and uh, and cut a deal. So lots of twists and turns. And this is... This is a domestic terrorism case. I mean, this is something that that reaches far and wide. And until we had the insurrection on January 6th, this was kind of the premier case of citizens rising up against the government. Probably the biggest case of its kind, I would think, since since um, um, Tim Waco? McVeigh. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, Oklahoma City. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 pretty wild. Are you intrigued yet, Sean? Oh, Sean's falling asleep. No, I was just, I have a question for you. <laughs> you look really t- How did you get that tired in the last 10 minutes? I've been that tired. Does it involve Lee J. Cobb and I've, 12 Angry no, Men? No, I've been that tired for a few days, and um, and I just had a moment to take a nap there with the subject, but no. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's... I was just imagining, Mark, that if something happened to me, would you... um. You probably wouldn't go to the funeral, but you might go to the visitation, and would you go up and introduce yourself to my family and that kind of that thing? That is such a weird, random thought. I know. Um, and I absolutely would go to both, and I probably would not introduce myself. So what are you doing this weekend, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's really weird. getting my nerves. Why, what made you think of that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I did have a... Die a, soon? I, are you I, trying I do, to tell I, us something? I do have a... I, yeah, I've not felt well. I do have a question for you, though. Have you have you watched Yellow Jackets? Yes, I love it. Okay, it's fantastic. I, I wanted we we haven't talked about any of this kind of stuff on the show in a long time, so I wanted to. It's really really good. Okay, what about Severance? Have you started that? It's uh, my favorite show. That's he out adores right now. it. Oh, okay, hey, you heard that yesterday? I did. You know, it's funny. After I said that, I'm like, that was a really weird word I would use to describe that show, but I do adore it. Oh yeah, it's like anybody anybody who's ever been caught on tape saying that they beat off somebody, they know it's going to come back to haunt them <laughs> with this group. Well, I've never described a, a piece of entertainment as, as that I adored it. I don't know, but I do adore it. But you recommend Yellow Jackets highly? Okay. Have you not seen it? No, it's on, <laughs> because it's on my list, and I wanted to get your opinion. Yeah, because he just finished watching the show that he had on in the car before he came <laughs> down here, so. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race has, has had his final episode. I love episode, how that mind works. Which is my, fav- my daughter's favorite show, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They go crazy for, for Mr. Paul. No, we were debating whether we are going to rewatch Peaky Blinders because the new season's going to come out. No, watch Yellow Jackets. Okay. But I like weird, different stories. What about Station Eleven? Oh, my God. I adore that one, too. <laughs> Station Eleven is great, but you have to stick with it. So it's a little... First couple episodes are a little, a little slow. It's okay. But in that order, I would do I Severance, Severance, Yellow Jackets, then Station, Station Okay. They're all solid. Thank you for that. <laughs> Raised that, by Wolves is another good one, too, if you like sci-fi. Ridley yeah, Scott. Sounds like, do you want me to keep going? That sounds like cool. These are all I the do. shows I adore. I do. Do you talk about this on the Drew and Mike show? Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for supporting the network. <laughs> Rarely. Well, I, sometimes it pops up. But I talked about it yesterday. 
you know why Sean mentioned Saved by Wolves? Because if you go to his visitation and meet his family, you'll find a bunch of wolves there. Really? That's possible. Okay. Maybe Fox. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? But you won't find Adam Fox there because he is on trial. Oh, look at that segue. In Grand Rapids. He said, that's his second one today. The first one was fabulous about the baby. He's very good with words. He's on his game. It, that was so long ago. We've taken, we've gone down so many rabbit no, holes. No, but I wanted to bring it that back. That was three to, naps ago for I, Sean. No, I wanted to bring it back to some randomness after the Whitmer seriousness. So there we go. I, I got us to <laughs> Wrap it up the right way. I got us to station 12. Okay, good. Um, so before we go, because that was I, my thought pattern, I, I want to fulfill the promise we made at the top of the show to tell you about the, uh, the swingers, the assaults, the... Uh, the there you go, put them in together else. in the same sentence. Swingers and assaults. What? No, the, Let uh, people dress up in their bell bottoms and no, go have but fun. Richard Trask is the one that put them together. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. He assaulted his wife after she uh, allegedly. Well, then he wasn't a swinger. No, they were. He just did it. He didn't like. They laid out rules, apparently, and he didn't like some of the way things went. Okay. I'm actually intrigued by Sean's vigorous defense of swinger parties. Yeah. So what's uh, that about? That'll be on a future episode. Uh, House of Windsor Two. I want to get. A, I want to get a little fishbowl, you know, that you can put the keys in and mix the keys up. You remember that from the Ice Storm? Did you ever see the Ice Storm, the Ang Lee movie with Sigourney I, I Weaver and a, Kevin? I Klein? made a key party reference earlier in the show, but I think you were checking downloads of the Carlos and Sean podcasts yeah. and missed it. Yeah, uh, that you wouldn't said take. You very, don't like swinger parties. You prefer key parties. That wouldn't take very long. Do you, uh, you probably like check the downloads. Do you like potluck swinger parties where they all bring a dish and then they stand I don't like potluck parties. I did when I was younger, but no. No potluck, potluck parties, parties are gross. You can't trust... Uh, most people don't know how to cook these days, right? So, no. <laughs> Give them very specific assignments that are within their wheelhouse. And there you go. So, anyways, it's if you're looking to set a news alert for yourself, put in the name Stephen Robeson, who was an FBI informant, who later was accused of joining the plotters so it's not clear which side of this it's on so when the oh, testimony really? comes to steven robeson should be pretty damn interesting by the way i'm not defending swinger parties mike <laughs> i'm just and, saying associate uh, people that want to go out whatever and have their own thing that's fine have fun whatever it's not the same as uh people hurting other people physically you know what i mean come on no one thought it was so uh I think the I think the subject on the table was that someone who was in favor of a swinger party did hurt someone. Yes. I know, I know, and that's that's a bet. That's not fair to swingers. <laughs> what a strong take. Or you could say or, or it's the, not the fair victim. to people who object to swinger parties. <laughs> it, or this no. particular swinger party. You don't have to object to swinger parties. Just don't go to swinger parties. How about that? I think she objected to being taken to a swinger party. Yes. That led to a physical well, confrontation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't be forced to go to one. Well, it took us fifty nine minutes, but we got that straightened out. So uh, if you're still with us, you hold one every summer in the backyard. If you're still with us, clearly you are not able to uh, to touch whatever device has tuned too, this show in, right? Because everybody brings their own Gross. beer. That's different, though. More on that um, after Sean's visitation. Um, you know, talking about conspiracies and elections, there's a guy in Washington who was real close to one of the biggest claims of, of uh, election fraud and, and stolen elections and, and voter misconduct and voter security and all those other kind of things. Little fella named Eminem, not the one who uh, took a knee at the Super Bowl, but his name is Mark Meadows, former congressman from, uh, oh, from North Carolina. 
who was Donald Trump's chief of staff. You've probably heard his name in the news because it turns out that Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and a bunch of guys from Fox News were sending him texts. Donald Trump Jr. was sending him texts basically saying, tell the boss to chill these mother scratchers out because this does not look good and there's blah, blah, blah. Well, anyways, Mr. Meadows now is being investigated for committing voter fraud himself. It turns out that there have been some, uh, some revelations, which I think are still being run to ground, that he voted from North Carolina using an address that he never lived at. This is a fairly well-to-do gentleman, good-looking guy, wears some pretty spiffy suits, looks like he probably pulled down some pretty good ching when he was in Congress, and then afterwards... again. I'm just picking up on the theme that was laid down early on by... You have beautiful eyes, by the way. But um, They're hazel. I just like the way that the, the green and yellow come together. It's sort of the jaundiced... Uh, yeah. yeah, nobody likes hazel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's green and yellow quite, but yeah. Was suggesting that maybe there's something wrong with you, but but anyways, well, again, oh, there is. There's definitely um, something wrong with them. If you would like to, uh, if you you know, in lieu of flowers, please send a donation to ML Soul of Detroit dot com. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But anyway, so it looks like Mark Meadows, who has been accusing people of voting fraudulently, is now himself being accused of voting fraudulently by using an address at a. Uh, a mobile estate, shall we say, in North Carolina where neighbors say they never saw why, why him. Why would he do that? I mean, what's the advantage to doing that? Uh, you know, this is still being uh, being investigated, but uh, it certainly seems that he could have made this uh, pretty simple by just using his registered address. Maybe he moved to D.C. Maybe he could have used whatever townhouse or, or DACA he lived in there. Hmm. Um, but this is sort of one of those things where once again – the people who are crying foul may be the foulest. I don't know if anybody saw the state auditor general's report that just came out that said there was virtually no voter fraud Negligible, in yeah. Michigan and that most of the dead people who people thought voted were discovered to be dead before their votes were counted. So it turns out our elections, which a lot of people have been questioning, have been trying to undermine the confidence in our democracy, are actually run pretty well. Are they perfect? No, but they run pretty well. But Mr. Meadows, for being one of those guys who pointed your finger at somebody else and had four fingers, or three fingers and a thumb if you want to get technical, point right back at you. I guess the thumb kind of points sideways, so it's one finger and then three at you and then one off to the side. Anyways, you're our Geek of the Week. What? <laughs> 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 See you again! There's an all-night party in Todd's month lives. We had a great suggestion from one of our Todd's with a great narrative. But since I got here late because I was watching uh, the previews for Runaway Jury 2, (laughs) we will have that on next week. And we're just going to be incredibly topical this week and start with our friend Sting from one of the great new wave bands, The Police. Fella kind of made it as a solo artist as well with his song, Russians. Boo, Russia! Boo! Russia, Russia, Russia. You're a prime America. There's a glory. 
ending of that song that was great i was gonna say we stand with the ukraine but i think they're probably like uh we, we are we are good for now maybe you come back to us when todd month resumes by, by the way i have a, a quick question oh, here we go i don't know if this uh can folks see the no the no one promo can see photo that you, okay so we can't see that anymore that you put up with Which matt's one? head superimposed in my for the for this segment oh yeah yeah, yeah i think they can see that i was looking at it a few minutes ago right when you were uh 
Is that potting up or queuing up or whatever? Yeah, it's up there now. Okay. You can see it. Okay, when, when you were doing you the song. You can see it. But I've the... never noticed in this photo, this is how, uh, I don't know, I'm just an idiot, but I see, I've always just looked at my photo and seen the hair and the glasses and it's silly or whatever. I never realized that Mike's actually holding, holding my you. legs. Yeah. He's taking care of you. With my, my leggings on. I'm supporting you. You're not supporting me. You're literally holding me. That's awesome. <laughs> Some people would say I've been carrying you for three years now. Well, you have. I mean, you know, that's great. Little, little, yeah. Where's your other hand, though? That's my question. It's exactly. all about. It's all about teamwork. Where's Where's your other hand, ML? You were very mad that I did not know the song "Russians" by Sting. Yeah, I. To me, that that's that, because it's Sting. You know, of all the of all and the. Why would you um, wait? Are you saying he's overrated? No, I would never say he's overrated. It's just not for me. But that doesn't mean he's oh overrated. Oh my God! Can you just take a stance? I don't want to diminish other people's ears. It's a subjective thing. It's right. like some people like Brussels sprouts and some don't. Sean Windsor, name a musician who is overrated. I don't really think about Come the on. world that way. L- let me let me tell you first. Guy <sighs> okay, fine. Sting. Although I liked him when he was <laughs> in the police, but that was because of Stuart Copeland's drama. Exactly. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I didn't I like his. I'll say it. I think Sting's overrated. But yeah, I like when he had He's the overrated. percussion and the 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 sort of spare guitar of Andy, what's his name? Uh, Summers. Summers. Yeah, and it was a collaborative thing. Yeah, there was there was more soul in it. You know, and then it just glad became, that you said he was then, overrated. Then it I like just that. became preachy, and it's not my. It's not for me. Sean is tantric when it comes to distractions, <laughs> non sequiturs. But um, I thought you were going to say non sexual. That's a good reference. No, no, no. no. You're very. You're, I, the, formo- the pheromones are pouring off you. No, I have um, no sensuality at all. Between uh, between the octagon and Doctor Kenneth Noisewater over there, you're. <laughs> you're it's you're so funny. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait. A second. Okay, this is ridiculously crazy. You uh, just said that. You know, it was in my brain two 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 minutes ago, but I didn't want to no, say. I no idea. Because I didn't, I was trying to figure out why Some it was sort of parasite. No, I was trying to figure out what like in the, Star Trek Two. No, no, no. What made it work? Same movie. The reference made me think of that when when uh, the character well, that was said, from Citizen Kane. I'm gonna take your uh, yeah right. I'm gonna take your mother out, great Dorothy Mantooth out to a seafood dinner and never call her again. <laughs> Right, like just that the randomness of of that and why that works. Well, see, this is how because humor the, the is. Ball, the ball reference is much more scatological and bathroom humor and all that. But <laughs> with the Dorothy Mantooth. But I, so references. I was raised by a single mother, and if someone took her out to a very nice dinner who she liked and didn't call again, I I thought that was one of the crueler parts of the movie. Did you? Did you? That showed that showed the sadism of uh, that they were making of light what's of what's his name, uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell. No, no, no. Of um, Vince Vaughn, what was his character? Oh, Vince Number Vaughn. two. Um, no, he said. He said, "Don't you talk about my mother, Dorothy Mantooth, is a saint, right?" Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Mantooth was Mantooth was, was Vince, uh, Vince Vaughn's, Vaughn's mother, yeah, and never call her again, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, that, that showed that was the biggest insult. Yes, you you're did. right. It showed the cruelty of uh, of Will Ferrell. How do we and, get to this breakdown of Anchorman? <laughs> because, he, because he made a reference to uh, Paul Rudd's. Oh yeah character talking about his testicles i named my testicles i would prefer to think of his but his best supporting actors and he said uh <laughs> if you play your cards right or you might if you get you get lucky you'll meet the whole gang or something like that. that's probably what you used to say yeah this this show has a a hundred uh, percent chance of going off the rails 50 percent of the time <laughs> oh nice reference so, i don't think i got the figures right but i think they're would that movie act- work today by the way because it's um, almost been 20 years yeah, it's so slapsticky though I mean, the I point, think it. I think it. The would. point of the sexism is done as a joke. Yeah, they're making yeah. fun of the sexism, so I think it would hold up. I was just curious what y'all thought. I hate when people say that. By the way, what y'all thought? No, no, no. Could this blank be made today? But there's some truth to that, right? I suppose. 
You're gonna make uh, Al it doesn't Jolson's, matter. It doesn't uh, matter. They exist, right? So yeah, I think are, Birth you, of a Nation yeah. is probably not gonna be made <laughs> yeah, today. Right. No. Right. Although actually, you know, it might be. It might be on the Newsmax channel, the OAN <laughs> network. So that, that may be movie of the week. That was an incredibly groundbreaking film for so many that, reasons. They too. play it as often as uh, as TN plays uh, Shawshank right. Redemption. Or even Fox, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk, let's talk. Oh, you're talking oh, about Tucker Carlson. By the way, I was in a plane not that long ago, and the <laughs> guy sitting next to me was a, a pilot. And he's watching Fox News, so I'm thinking to myself, all right, here's a guy who so, understands equations and mathematics and physics and all that other stuff. So that part of his brain, he's really, really smart. But then trying to figure out reality, he's looking at something that doesn't have much to do with reality. Say, so boy, it's that interesting is, that so there's different broad, parts of That is a broad yeah, brush of I, people that watch Unless Fox it's an anthropological study he was part of, which so, I seriously so doubt. I, Maybe I he just agrees with some of the stuff being said on there, but not all of it. Yeah, I don't want to pivot from slamming Fox News watchers to slamming pilots, but no, you were talking about Tucker Carlson. We had a candidate for Geek of the Week who was a pilot who had to be removed from the cockpit by police because he's like four times the legal limit, which is only to say that not every pilot is a former astronaut. He was probably a CNN watcher. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. Unlike you, Sean, I like to give. I'm not here either. No, Mark wanted it. I watched both of them. I just want everybody because you're curious. You want, to, you want to know what's out there. <laughs> Sift through yourself. Make your own decisions. Try Curious. Next week, Todd Month. Check it out. <laughs> uh, and uh, that, So uh, going back to Sting and Russia, oh, is sh- that the song that uh, broke up the Soviet Union? Is that the point of it? No, but is it, it a it, protest song? It, it, is, it, it is a song that, that perfectly encapsulates not only the social uh, power of new wave music, but the very sense in that era that the world was on the brink. It was palpable. You had people who thought that we were going to annihilate each other. And I would argue that this month is the closest we've come to that period since. You think so? When you have Putin about, saying, about little, I've alerted our nuclear forces. What about little rocket man going out, which I was never scared of Kim, of Kim Jong-un. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the guy, if he was jerking off, he couldn't hit the Kleenex. But this other guy's got nuclear weapons that could... You know, go right down the chimney on the White House. Y'all ever experienced deja vu? Didn't we just talk about this last week? Well, still uh, going Kim on. Kim Jong Un, still going on. No, about Putin and is he going to blow the world up? Yeah, we because it, it seems like it may still be a problem. But they're sitting down trying to negotiate stuff, right? Uh, yeah, they're they're creating that. safe passage and then they're killing civilians. Or are they? Which we're going to get to in letters in just a minute. Oh, okay, yeah, move yeah. on. Good segue. Yeah, Go. Yeah, yeah. Foreshadowing. This show's got everything Sean except, Sean will run except, off the rails here except a, a point. No, I'm um, all down for wag the dog talk. Okay, there we go. Um, so we want to thank the people who make this show possible. Obviously, that is Hall Financial. That's Luke Nowacki and the Cadu Cafe. If you do business with them, we do. Please let them know who sent you. And, uh, and we also want to thank those of you who support the show with your donations. More and more people are reaching out to support this show with whatever they can spare. And it's great because it really does make a difference. And we want to thank our first-time donor, Shelly, whose family is fighting the man. In this case, state employment officials over unemployment compensation. Oh, man, really? I can tell you from my own experience with the UIA that it is a mess. It was a mess during the pandemic. And so we wish Sally and her family the best of luck because, because they want to work. 
Oh, I'd love to hear. And from they her want again. to be covered for the time they didn't work. And that outfit, you know, whatever, what a mess. And I, you know, not how to, many people have been fired from the unemployment agency? There's a story on that. It's like 16. Well, yeah. And then there were some weird terms that, like, some of them were term limited, and I didn't quite understand. But I mean, there's been a lot of people who have been blown out of it. And supposedly, and it was garbage. They did bo- dispense over eight billion dollars wrongfully. So some people but, got okay, the wait, money. That eight billion is, is, is a little um, deceptive because some of that was not done. It wasn't fraud, right? It was accidental because it was yeah. done by the the way the state of Michigan had the questionnaire versus what the feds wanted. So it doesn't mean that they were committing fraud to get it you know what i mean yeah well the problem is we just don't know what the hell happened over there and not that uh, they were a disaster before the pandemic a, a problematic agency let's just say it that disaster way. but um um not that we want to uh suggest solutions to the world's greatest problems no, but we i don't. think if the united states had followed canada's example just by saying everybody gets a grand the paperwork's simple you don't have to worry about people applying you don't have to worry about people applying fraudulently we have done this before in this country where we sent everybody a check because the government had a surplus. George Bush did it. I think some well, we money was that. sent under Trump. Um, so the notion of the government's got money, you need it, we're going to give you some, is not alien. But boy, oh boy, when you see, uh, there are a lot of us who are waiting for checks. And I'm just grateful that the checks that I was waiting on like, weren't the difference between me making my mortgage, paying my heating bill, or getting some groceries. Couldn't they have given it to businesses based on their payroll, like to the previous X amount of months, and then let them disperse it to their employees, almost like they were still working? But why have the middleman? And if a business has gone out of, like, what if you worked for a business last year? You don't okay, work for okay, how year? about... How about they send their roles? I don't know. There just seems to be a better way to do it than giving businesses money through a loan and then employees unemployment because it's just. Right. No, no. Give everybody a grand. Just send everybody a thousand dollars. It'd be a lot cheaper, a lot faster, a lot effective, and it would get that money into the economy right away. If I made more than that and I was unemployed. Well, if you made more than that and you're unemployed, you wouldn't be bitching that you got a grand because you're (laughs) sitting on a mountain of cash. So uh, carry on. Sorry. So it's just. I hope she gets it straightened out. Just a thought, but yeah. So we're we're pulling for Shelly and her family. Um, Mark, how do other people who may Uh, or may not have been screwed over by the state help us out? MLSolaDetroit.com, little donate button there, uh, where you can donate from PayPal. From pay- we, Very we're, simple. We're trying to add a Venmo. Did you figure out what your Venmo? Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Oh yeah, no, I got to give you that. I have to set that. But yeah, you just say it. We take it. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't have it set up yet for the show. <laughs> okay. So I want to know if we could add a button. If we can, I'll add another one. Um, and of course, if you'd like to sponsor the show, if you have a subject, uh, I mean, a product or an event that you would like us to help you get the word out on, reach us at mlsolvedetroit at gmail We will give you a rate. It's going to be great, and we can't wait to congratulate, celebrate, self-flagellate. That's Sean's category right here on ML Soul of Detroit. We'd also appreciate if you'd subscribe YouTube channel, ML Elric. You know what's going on because you subscribe and it says, damn, they're finally at it. Um, share the show, please. Rate the show, love the show. And you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Elric, E-L-R-I-C-K, or on Facebook, ML, no periods, E-L-R-I-C-K. And now we get to our feedback. This is the part that Sean has been waiting for, but strangely also... Because of the music. ...preventing us to get to because he's been interjecting quite a bit. Um, and this is uh, we'll this is Buzz Me Cool by Max Prokop, who is uh, going to be playing in April in Royal Oak. We'll let you know more about that. You're not that used up. to me participating in the podcast. Is that? Is that no, good? I like it. I like it. I just uh, it's we we were we're on a, a magical mystery tour here. 
Roll up. It kind of falls. No, you did just give him the mystery tour. You're just giving him shit about derailing it, and then you just you just went off on a tangent. Emily says you guys seem like movie buffs on Soul of Detroit, uh, and today more so than ever. Can you discuss how so much of this Ukrainian hysteria being pumped out by the establishment media, viral social media, and even Ukraine lawmakers is proven to be fake time and time again? Very wag the dog, the '90s movie. So, and, and Emily goes on to talk about, you know, the ghost pilot. And, oh, the ghost of Kiev, which is a video game. Yeah, and the all photo these with things. the kids waving at the tank. But that but that was more social media, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, yes. and she even says Doctored. that that, uh, that uh, Zelensky saying, I don't need a rescue, I need ammunition, is now being debunked or being questioned. I don't know if any of that's true, but I do know, as we discussed before, that if you're trying to figure out how much of this stuff is in the is in the is in the air, is legitimate, you should start with going to the mainstream media because we actually, or I should say, my friends who are still in the mainstream media, still actually do try and vet some of this stuff. But Emily, if you're saying, do we think this is wag the dog like someone started a war with Ukraine to try and distract us from some of our domestic problems? I don't believe that for a minute because this thing is going to cause more problems for us here at home than anything we were dealing with before. You know, it's funny. Brandon and I are down here uh, before the other show a lot of times, and there's in Twitter and Reddit and all that. And honestly, all it takes is about 30 seconds to click through stuff, to whether or not to debunk it, to figure out if it's true or not, based on where it came from and what other people are saying. It doesn't. It's not that hard to figure out what is fake and what isn't. And just because one thing is fake doesn't mean that 50 other ones are. Well, it's not that hard for you and maybe others, but for some folks it is. Right. I've I've read that uh, in high schools. Look, it's true. I've read in high schools now they're they're trying to teach students how to Good. navigate this very thing. Good. They should Which teach. they should. They should teach people to be better consumers yeah. of all media, yeah. social and mainstream. Yeah. That should actually start even sooner in high school, but yeah. I agree. Well, I I um I know I having an 8-year-old with this going on is really intriguing because she's starting to ask questions cuz she's she's kind of this weird geography buff like her nerd dad. And so she's asking me these geopolitical questions that how do you answer that to an eight-year-old? And I'm just like, okay, well, uh, that guy's the bad guy. And she wanted to see a picture of Putin, and I pointed out how tiny and short he is. Just but he's not evil because he's diminutive. No, I know, but it's just fun to pile on. But I'm like, that's the bad guy. And I said, that doesn't mean that people from Russia are bad. It's just the guy in charge is. No, people in Russia are suffering now, too. But, you know, I, I think... But I don't want... I think a lot of times, or at least in the past, it was just... There's a lot of demonization of a group of people because one person or two people or a group of people. But I like the way you're handling that dilemma because I think... Great parent. That's really what it comes the down best. to here. Is I, I don't need to get more angry because I saw a picture, an image. For me, I'm angry enough that one sovereign nation is has that, invaded yes. another sovereign nation... Right there, that puts you on my dick list, real near the top. Agreed. So if there's some other things, you know, that's just like <laughs> bonus round, but it's not like if I don't see you shooting a civilian, I think it's still cool to uh, to bomb Kiev. Yeah. You know. And she was asking me why he did it, which is such a complex answer as to why he did it. And I'm like, uh, because he likes the way things used to be. Like, yeah. how do you explain that to an eight year old? Right, you don't. That's a good. That's a I good. Uh, comes from a different era, and he. That's the way he wants it to be. That's a really right. good example. What is to Rachel? Emily's what is Rachel wonder? Maybe, maybe it's a way to distract from some other problems. He doesn't want people to focus on. But, um, but one of the things that uh, that I think is 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 maybe what Emily's getting to as well is 
just because one side is considered to be the uh, the aggrieved doesn't mean that they're only telling the truth too. Exactly. Because we've seen sure. plenty of opportunities where people, you know, they'll try and suck you in. I mean, like the tan pants bandit. I'm sure that guy was someone who really needed five bucks and maybe would have got it if he just said, dude, I really need five bucks. But he told some story that was bullshit and became himself a little villainous. Uh, so, uh, well, and not, back, not villainous, which I think is also in Eastern Europe. Wait or bring that up back around. I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a full circle game. son of a gun. Emily on had, had the point that or I think she was alluding to the ghost of Kiev, right? I mean, that was, that was one, one of them. That was one of the first. And we talked about ones. the guys on the island said F you and they died, but now they're alive or right, maybe they're right. not. But see I mean, that, that wasn't a lie. I mean, they said originally that they died because they thought they were dead. I mean, the president right. said that, Zelensky said that, and now it turns out. I mean, that's just a miscommunication. I mean, war is going to have a lot of miscommunications and fog surrounding it. But it is interesting, and this kind of goes to her point that Kiev was or Kiev was like, yeah, we know that's fake, but we're going to use it as propaganda. Well, and we we bitch about the Russians interfering in our elections, and we're trying to interfere with their elections. I mean, I, I think I think the bottom line is whether you're a good guy or a bad guy you're going to try and use propaganda to your advantage. So don't believe everything you hear unless it's here on the soul of Detroit. Uh, Rachel's wondering, uh, Calvin Ridley getting suspended a year for betting on games, but they literally tried to pay Brian Flores to tank on his team season. But the NFL wants to talk about integrity. Stop it. When does Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross get kicked out of the league? Rules are different for the black player versus the white billionaire. Ross wanted to rig entire games that have tens of millions of dollars gamble on them. Ridley bet 1500 bucks. Ross was also scamming on his taxes via donations to U of M. He is an unethical crook. He most- I'm going to turn this over to my sports writer and Wolverine pal. You want to take it? Go ahead, Mark. Well, I, it's one for each. Yeah, on the surface, it does look very hypocritical, but you shit the nail on the head. You're talking about the owner of, of a team, the league, right? I mean, they own the league, the owners. So the penalty is always going to be worse for the employee who made these bets. Now, the 1500 comes from him. The NFL hasn't said how much Calvin Ridley did bet on games. He said 1500 Stephen Ross offered it. It didn't go through. Yeah, it looks terrible. If they wanted to talk about the integrity of the game, is just laughable considering they're so tight in with these gambling companies. I mean, the whole sport relies on gambling to a sense. I mean, that really is an engine that keeps the sport moving and oh, going. Fantasy, fantasy football, football is gambling. gambling have yeah. probably yeah. made NFL the most popular sport on the planet more than the quality of play. I think a year ban for a player gambling on it is ludicrous. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I think it's insane. And I know the fear is, well, these players will start fixing games. This isn't the old days where they had to have a summer job because they didn't make enough money. They make so much money now. Are they really going to risk it to make a couple extra hundred grand on, on gambling on a game? He I mean, didn't the, bet the, on his own game, did he? He did. He did, oh, but he, he bet, uh, like Pete Rose, bet for his team to win. Oh, and he only bet 1500 bucks. I guess he wasn't that confident. Well, he said, I think it was, he claimed there were, what, three $500 parlays is what he did. At, when he wasn't playing, by the way, because he took a break for his mental health. Well, he's got another break. Uh, Hopefully he's going to get healthy. I don't know. The, the penalty seems a little heavy-handed, and I... You know, Stephen Ross, there's a lot to be investigated there. Absolutely, uh, I agree. What I mean, is, he's not off the hook yet either, but show me some proof. By the way, offering, what, 100 grand to throw a game? Wasn't it 10 grand or something a game? No, uh, it was 100 grand. It was 100 I got to say, that seems awfully low to offer a multi, you know, a guy that makes multi-million dollars as a head yeah. coach. Well, I, I don't know if this is really a difference, but, you know, one guy seems to have admitted to it. The other guy is still under investigation. But that's the thing. 
that that really bothers me here. Is Stephen Ross really on an investigation? Are they really going to get to the bottom well, of no, this? No, because he owns it. Are they it. just going to let he's, it go? He's one of the owners. You think all the right. other owners want him kicked out? No, because that means they're going to be kicked. I'm still amazed to this day that Donald Sterling got kicked out of the NBA. But that's because he was just an asshole anyway. None of the other owners liked him. And the same thing happened to Marge Schott with the Cincinnati Reds way back when. Forced to sell her team because she cared more about Shotsies and the Nazis than, uh, than the state of baseball. But yeah, uh, Rachel, it, it sure does look like a double standard bullshit to me. But, uh, it does, but nothing, I mean, she's right. Nothing's going to, I don't think anything's going to happen to Ross. Yeah. I well, don't, unless they find some really hard evidence, like an email. Uh, one thing that you can always count on is that life is like a shit sandwich, and the more bread you have, the less you taste the shit. And this guy's got a lot of bread. Sean, do you care if a player's gamble? No. Really? That's an interesting take. I don't. Okay. I mean, you know, you don't want I was to, arguing with somebody yesterday. You don't want him to it. throw games, but I guess that's the risk, but I don't know. Okay. Wow. Are you, gonna, are you, are you ready for another nap? No, I'm just, there's a part of me that's sort of a libertarian at heart. I just don't like that. He's all tuckered out. Yeah, tuck oh, this little fella in. Um, what does John say? Well, he's pondering, Sean. He's pondering. He what, says, is, what is John uh, pondering? He says, so let me get this straight. The man that U of M wants to lead their men's basketball team threatened to kill one head coach <laughs> and physically struck another one in a 12-month... Span. Span, yes. Um, Juwan proudly says that he is from the south side of Chicago, just what does that mean? He's a tough guy? Uh, yeah. Uh, he is. He will use physical violence against you? Uh, Southside's pretty rough. The guy has some severe anger management problems and it's only a matter of time before he gets fired. And he has not apologized for his behavior. I would have loved to hear the conversation between President Mary Sue and A.D. Ward. Pretty sure Ward had to convince her not to fire him. If she was the permanent president, he'd be gone. But she has enough on her plate right now cleaning up that mess. So the standard behavior has been a set at U of M. Disgusting. P.S. Great shows lately. Keep up the good work. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still... Mary Sue Coleman was never going to fire him. I mean, did Juwan kind of apologize in that statement that he did, came yeah. out? Uh, so there's, bullshit. I don't think he's sorry. I really yeah, don't. Well, that's a different question. He sure. may have hit if he's sense. sorry or if he apologized. I, I think both can be true. Oh, oh you, you, you're right. You're right. And I always, I always think that when I see somebody in court crying, you know, are you sorry that you did it? Are you sorry that you're you about to get sentenced? Um, well, he's so, going to have zero chances after that. Yeah, no, I'd say this is the last. Plus, Martelli, you know, <laughs> won some big games. Martelli's old, though. Not only without Juwan, but also without some of the star players like that Dickinson who just whipped the shit out of Michigan State. But, yeah, I mean, if 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 you're closing deals with recruits, I think Juwan Howard is the guy you want on that couch at mom or dad's house. I don't know that Martelli's going to be able to bring that kind of talent. I've also seen a lot of head coaches that could be described as having anger issues. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. Um, well, Bobby Knight. Oh, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, I Mike thought, Rice. I thought we were uh, going Izzo. back to that one guy. Who, what? I, I don't remember that one. But. Well, you don't remember the whole dust that was at... Um, Gabe uh, Brown, fresh, Aaron, Gabe Henry. Br Aaron Henry. That was the big one where everybody lost their minds. <laughs> that, I was behind almost yeah, next to the bench when that happened. It's all, yeah. Once again, going back to bias and perception, right? Yeah. yeah. Sean was the one, if you heard the uh, the open mic yelling, hit him again, coach. Yeah. He ain't listening. Yeah, that was me. 
But um, but Sean bad. has repented, and he is not only apologized, but he's sorry. I'm trying to repent. Getting back to your courtroom for a second. Do, do oh. you do you mostly think well, when somebody's sobbing that it's because they got caught, or do you think it's a combination of I've fucked my life up? You know, I'm about yeah, to go because I, they got caught. I'm about to go to prison, and maybe also have some sense of God. I I can't believe I did that. I bet there's some remorse with some of those folks. There's probably some, but I think most think of the it's time self, they're, they're remorseful. When, it's because of, yeah, they're selfish. I think most of the time when people are sorry, they're sorry for themselves. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, well, go back to Councilman Andre Andre Spivey. He apologized for the impact it had on his family and all the people he knew, but I didn't hear him apologize to uh, the people down the block who always wondered why doesn't the councilman call me back but when you, I got a problem. You can be both though. We're we're complex like that, right? We're, we're, so many people have regret. And that's the same thing as if you, Boy, sh- if you can have regret, it's not just for yourself. You can have regret for the way you've treated others and things you've done to others, mistakes you've made. You know. I think it's important to think about the impact of your actions on others for, before you do yeah. it. And I think that's, you know, well, well, yeah, it's I too late once you've done it. I completely but, agree with that. But if that were the case. A lot we, of them know it's wrong. If that were the case, we wouldn't have podcasts. We wouldn't have music. We wouldn't have literature, books, what? you know. I mean, so excuse me, only movies. evil people do podcasts. Now that may apply here, but no. If we were perfect human beings and everybody Charlie thought, if everybody figured out the right decision to make before they made it, any decision, we certainly wouldn't have sure. ye- yellow jackets. Sure. No, you're right. Or well, you severance. Might, but or, there may be people in Russia who think the right thing to do is to invade Ukraine. I mean, people's ideas. There are a lot of people because into conflict. They're beholden to state TV over there. We are too a little bit, but yeah. Anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> okay, John. Thank you. Thank you for clocking but, in. No, I just, you know, I understand you You want, yes, your point is a good one. That's what we should strive for. But we're, human, want- we're human beings. We don't. I'll be sure to mention that uh, in my eulogy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. That apparently you need to write soon. Yeah, and, and if you guys could, um, if you could have some of that hummus with different flavors in it, at the at the luncheon after the after the funeral. Since what is it with hummus? Well, you're planning on you know this big but, funeral. But, I'm just but saying why hummus? I'm I mean, you associate Ann Arbor with hummus? I have a, I have a cholesterol. No, thing? I have a cholesterol issue. So I. I oh, I, I see. Want, yeah. I see. My my it's, bad. It's very good for my you. mistake. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just I just don't want plain hummus. I'd like something with a little. You want roasted red pepper in it? That's some kind of that's, of a, that's nice. That's been a thing cilantro. Cilantro. Love cilantro. A little jalapeno. Yeah. Can we get some rosemary in there? I think that that has. If you a, want to go that way, yeah. you know, scoot on a over to pine Italy. nuts. Scoot on over to Italy. Love the pine Sounds nuts. Sounds delicious. I go west out of uh, Israel and uh, and pick up some rosemary in Italy. Yeah. Okay. I'm so hungry. I hope you die now. Yeah. It's, Thank you. <laughs> I I was already there after the runaway jury. Yeah. Reference. You won't have any. You won't have any. Uh, you won't have anybody. You know. Taking the show away, or not away, but off the rails, so to speak. No, 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 no. Started it's, it, Sean. It's, no it's, no uh, more distractions. It's a voyage. It's a voyage of self discovery. Much better when I had COVID and uh, I was. Oh no, it absolutely was hour. not. No, we we this is this is the Sean that we miss. Um, but in the same way, you that, never know uh, where you're going to get. In the same way that uh, a 64 ounce big gulp is enough, but they still make a 128 ounce big gulp. Yeah. Maybe we'll go for the 32 ounce. Okay. Cup. But uh, yeah. Or just maybe put a little more ice in it, so there's less to drink. That's a good thought. That's oh, a good literal. thought. Wow. Um, and if there was ever a sign that it's time to go, that was it. Uh, just before the lightning bolt and the locusts uh, settle here at the uh, Red Shovel Network. So uh, Carlos and Sean podcast, always a good listen. You can catch that at Freep.com. We encourage you to support our mainstream media because really when you got to trust somebody, you may as well start there. Please subscribe to the Free Press. 
the Detroit News, they're having they're both having a sale six months for a buck. I mean, come on, you got to be kidding me. Know, keep emailing me about it. That's like nothing. I'll give you the buck. Thank you. Um, and uh, and of course, we also want to support our alternative media, DeadlineDetroit.com, Bridge, Michigan, and uh, and the Metro Times. Remember the Metro Times? Good folks out there trying to uh, trying to keep you informed and entertained. Two other people trying to keep you informed and entertained is Charlie Duff and the No BS News Hour, and of course Drew. And uh, there's a lot more people than Drew on that show, uh, including our our friend and co-pilot here, not drunk or watching Fox News, Mr. Mark Fellhauer, on the Drew and Mike podcast, which you can hear oh damn near every day here on the Red Shovel Network. So please support our supporters, Hall Financial, Luke Nowacki, Kadri Cafe. Any other shows here on the Red Shovel Network. And until next week, we ask our friend Cyrus to gently, without distractions, now take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Exploring the home, we discovered that ML had an evil spirit that attached to him and was draining his energies into a spiral of depression and addiction. But as we saw today, the unconditional love shared between ML and Mark was the help that ML needed to start on the road to recovery. Often, it takes confronting our most painful experiences to remind us that the most valuable asset we have is the love and forgiveness we have for ourselves.